And just like that, I'm back. G'day and welcome to the Eloquent in the Room podcast. I'm Rose Cooper. How you doing? This is part two of my interview with Ryan Bayron, a TikTok creator and feminist of the male persuasion who I discovered when I joined TikTok and have just become more and more and more impressed with as time has gone by. That uh, title of that podcast, part one, is What Makes You TikTok, Ryan Bayron. So please go back and check it out. It literally was only posted a few days ago, as opposed to the previous episode, which was posted six months ago. Yeah, it's that kind of podcast. You never know when I'm going to pop up. So last week, we briefly chatted about how he had a rather meteoric overnight rise on TikTok. It led us down an interesting garden path to his religious upbringing and how he broke free of it, but not entirely. He kind of factored it into his new philosophy as he's gone forward as a more uh, it's a hackneyed term, but a more new age spiritual kind of person. Someone I find a lot more relatable on that level. i got to say I was raised by atheists and agnostics and always feel like I'm going to get struck by lightning when I set foot in a church. Having said that, the first time I went to New York City, I made a point of going to Harlem so I could attend a typical kind of Harlem gospel church event. And it was every bit as wonderful as I thought it might be. I found myself weeping as I sang, oh, happy day. But let's not go down that rabbit hole. Let's stick with feminism. The cool thing about people like Ryan and men of his ilk, who I have uh, consciously sought on TikTok and now follow avidly, are gently spoken, articulate, eloquent, empathetic, often highly amusing uh, feminists, self-described feminists, feminist allies of the male persuasion. And a lot of time their content is kind of bold and brash, telling off men of the toxic variety <laughs> and sort of really smacking them up the side of the head. Uh, one of the many, many reasons why people like Ben Shapiro, Jordan B. Peterson, Andrew Tate, who just got dropped off all levels of social media because he was just just being completely and utterly misogynist, not even the slightest bit uh, subliminal with his misogyny, just flat out saying the most repugnant things about women and why men should steer clear of certain women. You know, the ones, the ones that enjoy sex, therefore have had a lot of sex and even after all that sex with all those men still like men. You know, you've got to stay away from those. Those patient, gorgeous, wonderful women. We deserve a fucking medal. Who have been through the, the mill, you know, with men and still actually like men. And he's like saying, you don't want to be with experienced women. <laughs> the subtext being, she won't put up with your bullshit. And trying to encourage them to go for the virginal, the untouched, the unsullied, the young, impressionable, malleable kind of woman. So I'm like, thank God for these gorgeous male feminist allies who actually want to heal 
men, want to heal men from the idiocy of other men that have tried to tell them what it is to be a man, what it is to be masculine, and to promote the idea that feminism actually advocates for men, advocates for their ability to be vulnerable, emotional, fallible human people. And yes, pushes them to be more than what was expected of them decades ago. It pushes them to be better fathers, more hands-on fathers, more attentive and understanding and empathetic partners. Speak of the devil, I was going to catch you guys up a bit more with what's been happening with me over the past few My beautiful eldest son became a dad in March, which made me a grandmother, and he has most definitely been a hands-on dad. I could not be more proud of what a great job they are both doing with my beautiful baby granddaughter, who I am completely and utterly smitten with. And last week, my second eldest child, my son Riley, who's also my music producer, <laughs> got married to his beautiful bride, Keely. And yeah, that was just the most amazing, beautiful day. I had the best time. I was so happy. It was just beautiful. I can't even deal with how I feel at seeing them both happily married and to be a grandma and to have them all there on the day. And I'm still floating on cloud nine with all of that. Not to mention the fact that also in attendance was my youngest child, who I can say now, because she has made it public, who came out uh, last year as trans. So I am just so blessed with the most beautiful family. Uh, I have been a a disgruntled, divorced, twice woman, and I'm getting older, and I've been quite disenchanted and disillusioned along the way. But that's never the end of your story as a woman getting older. If you're fortunate enough to have wonderful friends of all ages and uh, really healthy friendships with people, and if you're lucky enough, fortunate enough to have lovely, loving, healthy relationships with your children. Then you got more love than you know what to deal with. And, uh, yeah, all the uh, partnering up stuff. <laughs> it's easy to just push that so far to the background that it's uh, a memory. It's a, an interesting memory. I have great stories from it, but I look forward to the future and I have the biggest smile on my face. So just thought I'd throw that in as well. Having said that, I promised you last week that we're going to close this episode with the last song that I put out into the world. It's called SMT. When you listen to the chorus, you'll know why it's called that. All I can say is you may or may not remember uh, WAP, which came out, was it early last year or the year before? Not entirely dissimilar in concept to that, vis-a-vis the initials. Uh, so that's what's going to close the episode today. So I'm going to hand over to me and Ryan and the awesome second part of our conversation. 
Don't forget, please like, share, subscribe, comment, rate, all of that sort of stuff. Check the links in the show notes for all sorts of goodies. A reminder again that I did have hella technical difficulties. I did edit it to the best of my ability to take out all the glitchy sounds that you get when you're doing a Zoom call. Um, But yeah, I had so much fun talking to Ryan. Let's just take it away. We could could unpack religion a lot. (laughs) Um, But specific to feminism, it's interesting um, what you said then just sort of made me remember that I'm trying to think of different ways to get across the message that guys who are out there being feminists and are responding to the the guys who are on the rise in masculinity and uh, women who want control and masculine women and blah, 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 all this stuff in there. They're just unfortunately gaining more and more traction because people are, as many people who follow them, are ridiculing them, so they're just still getting lots of views anyway. Mm-hmm. And you've got guys doing duets, very funny duets, when the guy says, do you want to know how to control women or blah, 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 and the guy will come in and say, no, because I want to have sex, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> the bottom line is right. my, the way I do things gets me sex, uh-huh. and that's funny. That's hilarious, but it's also no. So we we still have to sort of realise that the point of men being feminists isn't just to make sure that they never get so far on the wrong side of us that we're no longer going to want to put out. Right. At the end of the day, we're still working with the same currency or men are still working in the same currency and we want to stay on that train for the sex, not because women as people are worthwhile having in our lives for all the other cool things that we have going on. <laughs> right. How to say that? How to how to say that without it sounding like I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater as well, you know? Um because there's a funny funny guy, I forget his name, but he's a, a beautiful black musician and he's he's famous within his own right as a musician, but he's also great on TikTok. And he just does these duets where guys say something stupid and then he comes in with a beautiful five-part harmony with himself saying, you get no bitches. Mm -hmm. That guy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know who you're talking about, yeah. (laughs) For those of you playing at home, his name is Sebastian Cole. So He sums it all up, but um, there's this still this currency around, again, it's a puritanism thing like women don't want to stop sleeping with men we don't we really don't women really 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 love sex mm-hmm. if they admit it to themselves or not yeah <laughs> and we get great enjoyment from sex arguably more enjoyment from sex than the average man does potentially mm-hmm. but but we are on the other side of that coin taught to withhold unless mm-hmm. not just do it for our own enjoyment because People label us, whatever. I'm not typical of my generation, in case you haven't already picked up on that. But I've, I've never, I've never thought of. I, even though my mother used sex as a bargaining chip, and I was unfortunately painfully aware of that when I was a child. Oh, man. So we can we can swap dysfunctions yeah. any day. Like I'm talking to you as a man. I'm like, how do we reframe that? If we were going to reframe that as a tag team, uh, tick. Talk feminism, um, give men more reasons to treat women like human beings apart from 
the payoff? The closest thing I have to a solid answer to that conundrum, which is one I've been really trying to, that's a code I've been trying to crack for a while, is that men will objectify women proportionately to two things. A, what they've been taught women are, and B, the degree to which they objectify themselves. Mm -hmm. Men tend to treat, we tend to treat ourselves as sex objects first. And that's something we do to each other. We will shame each other for having a low body count. We shame women for having a high body count. We will, getting laid is the ultimate masculinity chip you can earn. And and that's the game. That's how you win. So if you want to get a lot of money, it's because money will get you laid. If you want big muscles, it's because muscles will get you laid. If you want, you know, and and that's something that we have to stop doing to each other. Because what we're doing is we are surrounding ourselves with other men who who treat us like sex objects. Your only worth, your only value is in how much sex you can have. And what that does is it creates a very real fear of not getting sex. Yeah, there's such a massive insecurity tied into that. And uh, like yes. uh, the fact that men shame women for sleeping with men. I've always been of the opinion, so you think men are disgusting. Right. <laughs> in other words, women lower themselves to have mm-hmm. sex with men. So what you're saying is mm-hmm. men are revolting and you you hate your own bodies and, and there's a lot of shame and, and whatever. Yeah, you tell, us, you tell us being easy is a bad thing, but we are easy mm-hmm. because we actually like you. Right. <laughs> we well, want to be in your arms. The double and, standard is yeah. like any guy wants you to, I, like it's, it's I want you to be easy with me but hard with other men. Yeah. That's what we want, you know, and, and yeah. if we think, and if we think of you as an object that is here to be used, then if you have a high body count, you're a hand-me-down with other people's fingerprints and usages all over you. But we're only going to think that if we think you're an object, which is why it goes down to like what men are taught women are. If men are taught that women are walking reproductive systems with an inconvenient brain on top, they're going to treat women that way. And so the cure in my book is to encourage men to get curious about who women are as people. Do you remember a time in your life where you were of that mind and when it changed? Yes. I, I, of course I was of that mind. I was raised Southern Baptist. I, I didn't even realize it. I, I really thought, I thought I saw women as people. I just thought it was the God ordained system of hierarchy of humanity for men to be in positions superior to women. And for women to be subservient yeah. because that was how God wants it, right? And so I was like, yeah, you're people, <laughs> but because you were born into that body, you're just going to be less human than us. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. ask to be in this body. You didn't ask to be in that body. But, like, that's what we got, you know? And it's really easy for me to mm-hmm. say that as how someone having been. We're the accessory. Right. And I, I, when, you, <laughs> when you believe that that's how God wants it, it's really easy to just be okay with it. Even, even the women in our mm-hmm. church were okay with it. They wanted to be a good Christian wife and like be a good homemaker and a good mom and a good cook and all these things. And that's where their sense of value and worth came from. And so I, when you think you believe women are people, you are going to be resistant when people tell you you don't think women are people. That's just how mm-hmm. it is. And so what you have to, what I had to do is I had to realize the problems with that teaching in conjunction with the things I had observed my entire life that I never thought were problems. Like I knew from a young age that women don't walk alone in parking lots at night. Mm. And I knew from a young age why. But we don't want to. 
And, and yeah, it's because like the threat of men, you know, because you, you might be sexually assaulted by a man, not by a woman, not by a bear, by a man. I never mm-hmm. saw that as a problem. Mm-hmm. I knew it was the case. I didn't see a problem with it because no one else around me seemed mm-hmm. to have a problem with it. My mom you- was okay having a thing on her keychain that was yeah. a self-defense tool. You know, she didn't say, oh, I wish men didn't make a world where I need this. It's she was ex- like, well, an accepted thing. It was very accepted. And so I, I don't even remember when I started seeing it as a problem, but I just remember realizing that those were connected, that the problems that, 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 that these things in the Bible lead to this thing in our society. And um, I don't know. I, maybe there was a moment, and I'm not remembering it right now, but mm. I do remember a couple lights flipping on after I, after I got popular on TikTok. I, I like mm. became a feminist influencer before I was a real actual feminist because most of what I learned about feminism came from women coming into my comments, educating me about feminism and i'm like oh that's how it is for you no way i even had the video like every guy who decides he's going to be a feminist influencer has this like same this same um thing that they go through it's the whole really it's like that hey all the women comment and tell me your story and then you know you don't realize you're asking them to relive trauma you don't realize that those stories are already out there for you to find Mm -hmm. and you can go find them instead of asking women to retell the same story again right and then you get inundated with all these stories Mm -hmm. and your heart breaks and like man that sucks and then you start to think yeah man Mm -hmm. man man, that's why it's because of men, you know? And so then like you go this, this whole, like all men are trash, all men are evil. If you're a man, I hate you. And then all the men turn on you and then you realize you're not doing anything. And I went on that path. Mm. I've seen other guys go on it and some people don't make it all the way through, you know? You would get a messiah complex from it knowing you really that do. you had the platform. Yeah. Right. And okay. So I'm getting way off topic, repeating things I've already said on this topic on the thing. So one of the things with the uprising of all those guys who are really, really pushing hard for putting women in their place and having men be dominant and all this stuff and all the people who are duetting them, you know, either making fun of them or, or giving counterpoints. I think the reason they're fighting so hard for this is because they were promised a world when they got to adulthood. And when mm-hmm. they got to adulthood, that world changed. And on some mm-hmm. level, they feel betrayed by something, whether it was the sitcoms, mm-hmm. the music, the movies, the the men in their life, the women in their life, someone implicitly promised them that when they got to this age, if they had these checks, these things checked off, they would get a lot of sex. Additionally, they were told from a young age that sex is where their worth yeah. is. And so they're afraid because now the mm-hmm. only thing they've been focusing on their whole life, they've had their eye on the prize and that prize is sex. And now the rules have changed about how to get it. And everything they were taught they had to do mm-hmm. to get it is now the wrong answer. I can empathize with that being frustrating. I really can. I hate when I thought I had the right answer and then all of a sudden everyone tells me, oh, by the way, we've all moved on and that's the wrong answer now. That's fucking frustrating. And so I can get, I, under, I also understand mm-hmm. why they're not getting with the program because while they were so busy being trained on how to get sex with all the wrong answers, they weren't, be tra- they weren't being trained on emotional regulation or even emotional literacy or emotional expression or self-acceptance. Even at my age, I'm I'm really understanding the nervous system and how it works and why anxiety builds up over years, decades, and and mental breakdowns and all this sort of stuff. And because and to this day, I still don't cry easily because I worry that once the tears start, I can't stop them. Right. It's a genuine fear I have. So yeah, that that stuff. Like I was sorry to interject there, but. That stuff has to be taught in school. We we don't teach 
anybody how to human being. Right. That's the best way to put it. Mm. And it yeah. needs to be taught in the home. It needs to be taught by our fathers. Yeah, but mm. there's full-grown people out there who don't know shit. Right. So right. you got to teach the it's children from and. the home. Everything should be learned at, yes. as comprehensively as possible from a very young age. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Particularly to protect children from from um, predators. If you're yes. not using simple language, yes. then you've you've blown all opportunity to do it. Right. And so, mm-hmm. what we need to be teaching our boys and our men—it's harder to teach this to the men because they have to deprogram things. And so, like, we need to be teaching our young boys to be safe for other boys. There's not. There's no more shaming. Like, we need we need to teach our boys to explore who they are outside of their sex drive. There are mm-hmm. so many more dimensions to your existence. There are so many more more rooms in your mansion in which you can find fulfillment and joy and value and a sense of worth that have nothing to do with sex. Our culture, the culture I was growing up in, closed all those doors. It's just sex. Did you did you feel guilt? Like uh, I spoke to um, my uh, the previous podcast guest who was brought up in a cult called the Two by Two. Mm. And obviously, girls are taught a lot of shame. And mm. I have I haven't spoken to many men about this. As to were you taught shame, or you were you only taught a woman's shame? We were definitely in taught, regards to sex. We were definitely were taught implicitly just through the environment we were in that women are like I didn't understand the extent for the longest time, but that that women kind of had to cover up their bodies. That if women if a woman got uh, sexually harassed, what was she wearing? What did she do? Did she lead him on? Was she flirting? Was she asking for it? I, even that that question like feels gross coming out of my mouth now. But there was a time that that was just my knee jerk reaction, right? Like, yeah. put put on more clothes. Your uncle's coming over. That's a huge fucking problem. And it was just how ha- it was just yeah. the world we lived in. And so you don't really observe that without implicitly some somewhere in your subconscious knowing that that must create a lot of shame. Um, mm-hmm. The only shame I experienced as a boy around sex was I'm not going to get any. That was the only thing I was wow. taught to be ashamed of when it came to, mm-hmm. or, or if you have a small penis, like if you're, mm-hmm. you're taught everybody, every guy in that world is worried that he has a, a, a low, a lower than average penis size and that he's not going to get a lot of sex. Yeah. And so then, you know, so all of your peers were always within the religious community. Did yeah. Until, outside? until college, I didn't, until like wow. late high school, early college, all of my friends were Christian. All of my wow. family was Christian. There were there was a mm-hmm. lot at stake. Even when I wanted mm-hmm. to like leave the faith, quote unquote, it was fucking scary because I wouldn't. I would had I had no safety net. Um, and when I did, I didn't really even have a safety net. Then I just said, "Fuck it, I'll fall." I'd rather be not caught mm-hmm. than caught by whatever has been holding me up this whole time. But it took uh, it yeah. took what nineteen years to get That's there. Brave. It, it felt brave. Now, looking back, it feels like, well, why didn't you fucking do that earlier? But at the time, it felt huge. Doubting the Bible for the first time, I was shaking yeah. in my boots. I still believed in hell. Yeah. Try getting your mind around that. You're, the only thing keeping you from releasing your belief in hell is your fear of hell that you still believe in. Like, what? <laughs> for me, the difference or the the allure of religion has always been the fear of death and what happens. Mm-hmm. And I know that my uh, my par- parents agnostic. Dad was actually an atheist. Mm-hmm. My eldest son was always an atheist and like I've been into astrology and I and I I refer to myself as spiritual to a certain Mm -hmm. degree um because I feel like um 
sex can be a spiritual exercise as much as anything else as well and just connecting as human beings. Human human beings are by virtue of um, just just everything that makes us primarily human is about being connected to other humans and feeling connected and oxytocin Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's because there's something something far greater than us, the collective consciousness, that makes us, even though we spend a lot of time destroying each other, it also makes us want to help each other and want to save each other. And it's it's funny how you just take for granted things uh, that you weren't taught as a child so that when someone says that to you, that they believe in hell and fire and brimstone and stuff, and my knee-jerk reaction is to laugh because I'm just like, it what seems would like possess a you to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 like or or the god like I I the the god uh, idea that um, God always does the right thing always seemed to be easy to pick holes in as well <laughs> because of people dying of cancer and all this sort of right. stuff. And you're like, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. And 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 the older I get, the less I believe in any any kind of deity that uh that wants to teach us lessons from children dying of cancer i just like there is no lesson to be learned from that right it's just something There's that no, happens and, it, and no it point hurts. to that so with right. my 12 13 year old son he used to follow me around the house and ask me questions only so that he could get into a debate with me <laughs> about the rand about the randomness yeah like he's an he's an I guess he's classified as an elder millennial now. He's mm-hmm. uh, going on thirty-five, okay. and um, and and yeah, life is random. And even though I wasn't brought up religious, the idea of life being random broke me. I couldn't. I couldn't deal with it. I was always like, "Oh, this was meant to be," and and destiny and and fate and stuff. And it's only in the last twenty years that. I've put a lot of these things to bed and just gone, it is randomness. Doors open, then they close. And, you know, I don't know, inside on the same spectrum and I question my existence all the time. The only thing I have that makes any sense in my life um, is the fact that I did have children and I feel like, well, my role is still that person, still their mother. Mm-hmm. And nothing else really has to make sense because that makes more sense than I need. Oh my God, yes. Becoming a parent is such a shift yeah. in perspective. It, you really put on your blinders and just, you can feel the caring about other things melt away. Like eventually mm-hmm. you just get to a point where like, wow, none of that matters to me anymore, only this, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, and sometimes that type of clarity can be really helpful when you're when you when you find yourself pulled in a million directions. Especially when you're the one pulling yourself. Well, definitely part of that too, realizing what makes a good parent is looking after yourself. And teaching by example. Yes, okay. By doing that. By reaching for the things that make you happy. Yes. Like, absolutely. Like, when I learned that my son will not learn emotional regulation if he does not see me emotionally regulating myself. Mm -hmm. I learned that the phrase do as I say, not as I do only exists because children will do what you do. You're always teaching them whether or not you're teaching them, you know, that clicked for me because then I realized 
like bring it full circle to the to the how do we actually help men get better instead of just have different flavors of worse men yeah. it's men who are able to emotionally regulate need to model that for other men men who are mm. able to be vulnerable need to model that for other men men who can mm. give healthy expression to the full range of their emotional interiors need to model mm. that for other men men who can have platonic friendships with women need to model that for other men and it doesn't happen often enough and they don't see it because just like I was surrounded by people who are Christian, a lot of these guys are surrounded by the Andrew Tates of the world. And yeah, he's off the radar, but there's going to be another one tomorrow and another one after that, and another one after that. And, and I think when we give men a picture of what it looks like to be a full, whole, well-rounded, healed person, operating in the fullness of their masculinity and their femininity with an internal moral compass, mm -hmm. an internal sense of confidence, an internal sense of power where you have power over yourself so you don't need to exert it over other people, then they have a model to follow. But that needs yeah. to be front and center. It needs to be prominent and it needs to be something that people respond to positively, you know, and that's part of the reason like men want to be respected, but they don't care about being respectable. Men, men uh, they want to be leaders, but they don't know how to lead. And, mm -hmm. and, and because it takes, it takes emotional intelligence to be able to do those things, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we're not teaching emotional intelligence to men. And so I think if we can teach men that there's so much more to them than sex, stop sexualizing and objectifying our little boys and teaching them that their worth is found in how much sex they can have. Yeah. They may not place so much goddamn emphasis on getting it from wherever they can and, and doing all the things that men do that are terrible in that pursuit. And part of it, too, is it goes back to the church because whether or not you're a Christian, you're affected by the church, at least in America. And the church says that women are – they owe sex to their husbands, that you have to. Yeah. It's, I was going to say, yeah, that brings us to um, white feminism or neo liberal feminism, which is that very individual thing that's focused on equality in regards to the framework of capitalism and, and glass ceilings and, and all the rest of it. Like I, I've never been a scholarly feminist. I haven't gone to university or anything like that. I've just gone by my own and, and whatever and, and my own empowerment journey, um, which which went to an extreme at once at one stage because it was male gaze oriented and and pleasing my first husband and mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff but mm -hmm. i took that i took that sense of sexual empowerment with me but i made it about me rather than about knowing all the um <laughs> the tricks that i needed yeah. to know in order to be considered uh, a worthwhile human being because i was a good lover or whatever i was just right. like i this is about me empowering myself to share the information i have with whatever person i take to bed you know Mm -hmm. One of the questions that women ask other women as feminists is how do you raise men to be feminists? Mm -hmm. And I've got two uh, two children who I had in uh, 87 and 1990 and a child that I had in uh, 1998, so a bit of a gap there. So those millennial boys grew up with a mother that had a sex advice column and, and who – has always had an overtly sort of sexual nature about her. So they're 
being young men, I guess, always sort of knew to be embarrassed for whatever reason by me just for existing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got to an age where it turned the corner to being embarrassed to being quite proud that this is who I was. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the ideas that they brought home to me, the things that they shared with me, like um, they'd see something on YouTube, Mum, you'd love this, whatever, they'd share things that were even more sophisticatedly feminist than I had come to because of my generational belief in certain things, particularly in regards to the genderlessness of friendships and stuff. I've always had male friends, but I kind of had male friends because I was more of a a, um, a man's woman than I was a woman's woman. Mm-hmm. I've had to shed a lot of internalised misogyny. They showed me that they were growing up in the right generation and it was fortunate for them that they grew up with me as a mother in tandem with that mm-hmm. So, because I could never sort of look at it and take all the credit. But, but when they started dating, I would be like, don't forget that this woman is a human being with her own needs mm-hmm. <laughs> and um if you're not if you're not looking for a relationship and you see her more than a few times make sure she knows what page you're on just little things like that and definitely not to slut shame and all that sort of stuff and if we're watching tv and there was gratuitous nudity i'd say do you think she needs to be nude right now like just always looking for a opportunities to bring up conversations. So I was never hung up and I was embarrassing because to the degree that I wasn't hung up was kind of like the mother in sex education. If you've ever watched that show, (laughs) I'm bringing up the topic more often than it needed to be brought up probably. Um, But, but I found that as I grew as an empowered woman, as I got older and became more independent and searched for things that made me happy um, it felt selfish at sure. times, but this is the way men are raised to pursue your own happiness. Mm-hmm. Women are cho- chosen to pursue the happiness of everybody around them right. and be the facilitators of that. So, so like I, all I could say, and I think it's the best thing I could ever tell women because we're telling men to be better fathers, um, and feminist fathers, but in order to raise feminists, you have to be a feminist. Right. It's right. kind of that simple. And people yeah. who worry about whether or not they can possibly do it are doubting whether or not are doubting their own feminism, I feel. Yeah. And there's there is there's a whole other side of this, which is women with internalized misogyny. You know, there was a conversation oh, yeah. that went that was it's going my on. Pet topic, yeah, because it's it's, it's 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 so insidious. Right. And it's something that I yeah. prefer to um defer to what women are saying to other women about that instead of being a male voice in that world talking about that. It just still feels backwards to me. So I don't it's not part of, of my of what I bring to it, but there was a conversation, a broad conversation in my side of TikTok about men basically calling women liars because it's they'll say like you know, you say you want a guy who has access to his emotions, but if I ever cry in front of you, that's when you call me a little bitch and you lose all your sex drive for me. And first of all, I'm like, hey, guys, that's not a reason not to do it. Maybe that's a reason to be to do it with someone else. But two, if a woman does respond that way, she has internalized patriarchy. Patriarchy mm. is still the enemy. Women aren't mm. the enemy. This isn't how all women are, but it affects all of us. 
all the conditioning it's yeah. all of us right mm-hmm. and so there is like men need to be safe for other men to have breakdowns to cry to show emotion without being called names or being shamed for having an emotional landscape that's my mm-hmm. that's where i that's where i come in is helping men be safe for other men there mm-hmm. are some women that i follow and have even partnered with and become friends with off of tiktok who are helping women to not tell men, hey, do these things and then shame them for doing them because mm. that's the world they live in too. We all live in the same world, you know? And it's so hard to not think- just knee-jerk shame a guy regardless of what gender you are. Imagine, imagine if men could be vulnerable enough with their wives to say, I, I'm afraid to show you this part of me because I'm afraid it's going to turn you off and then I won't have as much sex as I want. Just saying that sentence out loud yeah, I think men are more inclined to want to bring up doing things that are a little bit kinky with a stranger because they have zero respect for that stranger because mm-hmm. that person is just having sex with them as a stranger. So so they can be ashamed mm-hmm. and use that shame as fuel for their arousal. Right. <laughs> and if and if something goes awry, you don't you may never have to see them again. It's not like it's gonna yeah. follow you, you know? Yeah. But yeah. More often than not, women are the ones that are suggesting polyamory or going to swingers clubs or having threesomes or, or whatever. And this is that that boils out of that Madonna Hall complex that I've talked about quite mm-hmm. a lot. It's like a woman becomes a mother and she becomes some something that men no longer sexualize. I could talk forever. I feel like I've got a, I've got a draw it to cl- to a close but it'd be lovely to talk to again no uh, yeah i would love to do a follow-up because i feel like we're just getting started you know yeah, i haven't even yeah. talked about men not even knowing why like we have this narrative that women don't like sex and it's pretty clear where that comes from <laughs> it's that they don't like sex with us because we feel entitled to the orgasm and we don't even think about whether or not they're having once or the point where we don't even know whether or not they're faking or why they would want to fake with us yeah and so when it becomes a Fight, chore that fighting you expect, centuries Writing right. centuries of uh, of holes in sheets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's a pretty easy solve, but in order to actually make those moves, you need to put your ego aside and be humble enough to take some direction and not just expect things and consider the other person's having a full experience. And as if a guy really wants to actually get past all these hangups, he just has to do the opposite of whatever society tells him. Like take direction like you want someone with a high body count because they know what the fuck they're doing and what they like and how to coach you through it and if you're humble enough take some direction then you learn something in the process you know like mm-hmm. i mean when i realized that what the phrase nice guys finish last really means it was a game changer <laughs> yeah yeah I, I remember when i, I found think- out that, like women fake like i had a friend tell me like no guy hasn't been faked on and i was married at the time i still am so i went to my wife and i was like have you ever faked on me like fake the orgasm. She's like, Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And one, I'm glad I, I count that like as a, a credit to me that I was safe enough for her to say that, you know, uh, most women I imagine wouldn't even feel safe saying that because of the backlash that their husband would from the, from the hit to their ego. But I said, do you, do you, do you still fake on me? She's like, no. And I said, well, what changed? She goes, do you remember when I started telling you what to do? I said, mm-hmm. yeah. She goes, that's when I stopped faking. And that was the whole conversation. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking like, Mm. there's so much there is so much in that little exchange that if so many couples and people could just dissect on their own like Mm. these these problems are not difficult to solve 
Mm-hmm. But the barriers that people put up that keep them from solving it are incredibly difficult to overcome. And it all yeah, comes re- down to in lack of education and lack of confidence. But the, the ironic thing is, for me anyway, um, is that from where I'm sitting, men who have been in long-term relationships usually are better lovers than guys who have never been in a long-term relationship. Sure. Yeah, because you, you're having sex with the same person, the trust value thing goes up, and ideally, the uh, experiences um, change and evolve and whatever. And that's what that's what happened with me. Is that I just the the new challenges and new horizons and different ideas and let's try this and let's try that, um, and it was all centered around what kinds of different kinds of orgasms I could have. Mm-hmm. So it was wasn't about um, sex being better for him or them, insofar as they were very in, heavily invested in my pleasure, giving them pleasure as an mm-hmm. ego loop for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I just think it's so ironic that people are like thinking that a high body count means that you necessarily have more experience because you could be having the same inept experience over and over and over again because That's two strangers true. don't know each other well enough to have good sex. So I've I've always been of the opinion that women have to speak up. I don't blame men as much as I blame women for not speaking up. Sure, men it it'd help if it'd help if they didn't take it as a blow to the ego when a woman does speak up because women do say, well I did say that I didn't come and he was so butthurt that I never saw him again. Mm-hmm. But but ideally, we we can't blame men for anything because we're taught in movies that people come busting through a door after dinner, rip off their clothes and do it up against a wall, and she comes in under thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. But who's and writing I, those? I, Are those written by yeah. women? No. Like no. We can we can blame men, and when like, we're a good team because when you say like women, you just pick up. I'm like men need to be safe. Tropes. Yeah, the idea of the idea of foreplay is is something you can't squeeze into a two hour movie. I do understand that, but but the uh, the the thing that I'm loving right now is people straying from the idea of heteronormativity and penetration yes. being the the entire right. <laughs> Right, right. There's so much more to explore. Oh, why didn't we think of that before? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think the way the sex is portrayed definitely needs an update. Um, yeah, Yeah. it's just you're right because because having having sex with the same person over the span of decades, in you know, if you're still having sex after that amount of time, you have to have learned a lot. You know, so I can definitely see the merit in that argument. But either way, just like. I, I don't know that caring about someone's body count is even the best expenditure of our emotional energies in the first place, because your body is the one that matters when it comes to having sex with you and their body, you know, like what makes, what, what do they enjoy? What do you enjoy? Are you able to communicate that? Are you able to have those things communicated to you? You know, mm-hmm. are you curious about them? Do you care mm-hmm. about how much fun they're having? If those are in place, shoot, man, like, yeah. And I tell guys, like, if you really want your woman to, like, want to have sex with you, then learn what she likes in sex. Don't just say, mm-hmm. oh, I, we haven't had sex in three days. You owe it to me. I'm My, my wiener hurts. Don't blue ball me. Like, 
the games you play to try to get an orgasm are the turnoff. Like, why don't you focus on her orgasms for a while? <laughs> mm. I mean, I, I feel bad saying this, but like men are just really dumb sometimes. <laughs> We're just, it's not hard <laughs> to figure out the answer, but our egos get in the way of us actually applying the very simple, easy answer because it requires our ego get out of the way and we're also taught that if your ego is your ego is your armor your ego is your armor if your ego is out of the way then you're vulnerable and if you're vulnerable then you'll get hurt and men are not the system is set up for us to not get hurt so it's it's a struggle when we do because it happens so rarely y'all get hurt all the time that's why you're so resilient saying it's not saying why do we beat our head against the wall right because it feels so good when we stop. Oh, I'm going to sit with that for days. <laughs> we should end on that note. You just blew my yeah, mind. Yeah, I absolutely love talking to you. Thank you so much. And, yeah, but anytime you want to go live on TikTok because we could just uh, pick anything to part apart and have a good old time. Oh, we're definitely going to do that. I, I've decided that I'm going to start a series called TikToks, but T-A-L-K-S, where I just go live with mutuals and then record well, those. I saw and put that. Them on, on the, I oh, you saw that. Yeah, yeah. Thought, so, yeah, we're going to do a yeah, TikTok. And I'm like, a YouTube series. me, 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 oh, me, me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're going to do it. I've got my first yeah. one lined up, but yeah. it's, yeah. it's uh, yeah. yeah, we're going to do it. Well, thanks for having me on this podcast. This was so much fun. This I hope no one that's ever interviewed me listens to this. Um, I'm about to say this is so my favorite interview I've ever done. So you're gonna make me cry. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> now that's um, a goal. I have a goal in life to make you cry in front of me. That's like that's the friendship litmus test. <laughs> um, All right. Well, I'll see you on the TikTok. Thank you for this. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll see you soon. All right. Oh man, that was so good. We really covered the waterfront there and even when we went off on tangents, we seemed to come back to the things that we were discussing immediately before the tangent. So yeah, it was uh, a dance of a podcast and um, we took turns leading. And speaking of dancing, here is my newest single. It did come out a few months ago, but timing is everything and I think the best time for you to hear it is after the conversation I just had with Ryan. Talk to you soon. Decoration. My body is a work of art 
Sang me like a big bass drum Don't forget second bass Don't forget second bass Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget 